0: Down through the ages of time, men have wanted to know what kind of a being God was. The God we just sang about, how great thou art. Like Philip in John chapter 14, when he looked at Jesus and he said, Show us the Father and it sufficeth us. What is God like? If I were to ask you this morning, and we just went around the room, and I said to you, I want you to to describe God, what would you say? Some folks might say, well, God, He's the old man upstairs. Some might say, well, He's the great judge in the sky. Or like someone asked me, How do you start your day? I said, well, the first thing I do before I start on my activities of the day is I sit down and I have prayer. Because before I start my day, I want to talk to the chief. I read about a Sunday school teacher one time who asked her children to describe God. You ever want to get some real answers, ask a group of kids to do it. And you know, I remember my mother would talk about how that one of the first things she learned after she started teaching kindergarten was when a four or five year old came up and said, "Miss Perkins, hold your hand out, that you asked them what they had before you held your hand out. But you always want to ask children and children will be so honest. So this Sunday school teacher said to her children in class, I want you to tell me about God. What do you think God looks like? And here are some of the answers. One child said it's a human, he's a human being with a heart, feet, eyes like fire. And he shampoos his hair every day. Another one said he's tall, he has gray hair, yellow skin and brown sad eyes just like my puppy. Another child said he's tall. He looks like my daddy. He wears a jumpsuit on weekends and has a bald head. Another, he has white hair and eyes that are bloodshot. He has He's tall and he has black hair. He wears really sharp clothing and a heart necklace. He looks like Billy Graham. He looks like Jesus, but I'll tell you a secret, I'm not sure because I've never seen him. Another one says he's an old man because of all the years he's been alive. I really, I like this one. He looks like whatever you want him to look like. Another said he's the picture of health. And one wrote, he's an old man with a long gray beard. And he sits on a throne like a king and he drinks all the Dr. Pepper he wants. Here's the tragedy, folks. The real tragedy is that there are so many people in our world today who have absolutely no conception of God at all. Just as the psalmist would write in Psalms 14 and verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God and tomorrow is their special day. And yet David would lift up his eyes and David would behold all the glories of the universe. He would behold all the beauties of creation. And David would pen the words of our text in Psalms 19 and verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. We preach from the assumption that there is a God. And by faith we know that God has always existed from the very beginning. One of the greatest arguments in favor of the existence of God is the design argument. It's a trite argument. It's been around. But it's also an irrefutable argument. It's old and it's a bearded argument, but it is an unanswerable argument. I have on my wrist this morning, as you can see, a wristwatch. Now what does this wristwatch tell you? it tells you there was a watchmaker. Somebody had to make this wristwatch. Now, suppose after services this morning, somebody notices the watch on my wrist. Well, it wouldn't be hard to do. I've already called your attention to it. But somebody comes up to me today and says, You see that watch you're wearing? Yeah, nobody made that watch. You know what? I wouldn't even argue with them. If somebody came up and said, you see that watch you're wearing? Nobody made that watch. That watch just made itself. There's no way I'd argue with that person. You know why? I would make the assumption, and correctly I think, that I was in the company of an imbecile. And I would also be so afraid they would be dangerous, I would be scared to argue with them. The existence of a watch proves there was a watchmaker. There was someone that made the watch. The existence of this building that we're in this morning, it proves the existence of carpenters and brick masons and painters Those who, and electricians, those who constructed this building. Well, you go out and you take a telescope and you look out into the blue and infinite sky and you see moons and stars and planets flaming on the frontiers of space. And you see those moons and those stars and those planets operate millennium after millennium with mathematical precision. And listen again to the words of the psalmist. The heavens declare the glory of God? and the firmament showeth his handiwork. If the watch on my wrist proves to us the existence of a watchmaker, if this building tells us there was there were carpenters and brick masons and, and electricians and painters, there were builders, in that same way the universe we live in tells us there is a world builder. And we know there was... One as definitely as we know there was the other. But the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, In the beginning, there was a great explosion and the earth came into existence. I see some of you shaking your heads, no. That's because that's not what it says. It says, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. To say that this earth came into existence because of a great thermonuclear explosion in outer space is like saying all those cars in that parking lot out there came into existence because of an explosion in a ball bearing factory. It tells us, the world tells us the existence of God. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth and we believe that. We believe that because it is reasonable to believe that. We believe that because the Bible reveals it to us. And the Bible reveals God. But that's not even God's best revelation. Jesus Christ Himself is the one and only complete revelation of God the Heavenly Father. In response to Philip, in John 14, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us. Show us the Father, Lord. We'll be satisfied. Jesus said, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me, has seen the Father. In his life, as He walked the dusty roads of Palestine, as He healed the sick and raised the dead and made the lame to walk, Jesus Christ showed us the kind of being God is. Jesus Christ showed us what God is like. God is a spirit. You remember in John chapter 4 when Jesus met that woman by Jacob's well, that woman of Samaria. And he asked her for a drink of water. And they had a rather lengthy conversation there. Jesus told her all about his personal, her personal life. He told her all about her marital status. He told her everything that was going on in her life. And they had a talk also about the water in that well. And they talked about living water. And they started talking about worship. She told Jesus, I perceive you're a prophet. And Jesus told her about the worship of God. He said, God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. That verse right there tells us that though God is very real, that God is not material and God is not visible to us. And you wait and you say, Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Didn't God say way back in the long ago, let us make man in our own image? He absolutely did. But it's not a physical form, a spirit's a spiritual form. God's a spirit. But God is also a person. God knows. God feels. God loves. God hears prayers. And God speaks. And God acts. The Bible always presents God to us as a person. As a living person. As a living God. And He is free. He is not bound by any limitations other than those limitations he might choose to put on himself. God can act as free as he will with his power. Well, what are the attributes of God? God is holy. You know, I've known a lot of men and women on this earth that have been what I would consider to be holy men and holy women. But none to the same degree as God. I don't care how holy, how good, how righteous some man or woman on this earth is, within all men and all women there is some evil that is present. But it's not that way with God. Isaiah, 400 years before Christ was born, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up on His throne. He saw the creatures of heaven and heard them crying. And here's what he said. It's in Isaiah 6 and verse 3 and verse 5. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. For I am of a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah was a good man. He was a prophet of God. He was God's man. But Isaiah was so overwhelmed in the presence of God, and so overwhelmed by the holiness of God, That Isaiah felt unclean in his presence. If you and I were to catch a real vision today, a real vision of the holiness of God, we would realize our own uncleanness and we would realize our own imperfection. God is eternal, He has always existed. He did not come from anywhere, and He's not going anywhere. God is life inherent. God is without beginning of days. God is without end of life. Here are the words of the psalmist in Psalm 90, verses 1 and 2. Lord, thou hast seen our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or even thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Pharaoh of old, you remember? Pharaoh of old thought he was such a mighty ruler, such a force to be reckoned with. And down through the years there have been others. Alexander the Great, Napoleon, the Kaiser of Germany, Hitler... Stalin, Saddam Hussein, Hugo Chavez, and others even yet to be named, have all thought they were all-powerful and mighty rulers. They've all come and gone. All powers of the earth must bow down before the great God of heaven. The winds and the waves obey His will. God speaks, and it's done. Back in the early morning of time when God said, Let there be light. Guess what? There was. God said it, and it happened. By a simple utterance, God brings to pass what He wants to happen. Because all power is God's. Not only is nature subservient to God, but man is also subject to the will of God. Here's the admonition of James in James chapter 4 verses 14 and 15. Go to now. You that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and we will buy and sell and Continue there a year and get gain. He says, Whereas you know not what will be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. For that you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. If we're going to be happy and if we want to be happy, We must submit our will to the will of God. God is omnipresent. God is everywhere all the time. God is with us in the brightness of midday and God is with us in the blackness of midnight. God is as close to us by sea as He is by land. God is with us when we're serving And God is with us when we go down into sin. Perhaps, if we were to stop and think about it. If we were to pause and remember that God is there. And we must account to God. We just might be a little more careful how we live what we say when you're in sorrow when you think the world has forsaken you God's there He's there to dry your tears and He's there to calm your fears He's never a God that's far off He cares for me and He cares for you He cares for His children remember in the Sermon on the Mount Jesus says ask and it shall be given to you seek and you shall find and he goes on and says what father is there among you if his son asks a fish that he'll give him a serpent or if he asks for bread he'll give him a stone he said if you folks being evil know how to give good gifts to your children oh how much more the Father in Heaven will give good gifts To his children. God is love. He's not a hard faced tyrant. He doesn't look down with displeasure when we smile or when we laugh. God is love. And he showed that love. In the gift of his son to die for our sins. When we learn that he loved us enough to send his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The question is, what is our response to God's love? What is our response to God's mercy? Matthew chapter 11, Jesus offered that great invitation. He said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I'm meek and lowly and hard. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And you shall find rest to your souls. To everyone that's weary. To everyone that's labored. To everyone that's conscious of being heavily laden, burdened down. Jesus says, come and I'll give you rest. That invitation implies that we're separated from God. And Isaiah 59 and verses 1 and 2 says, The Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, neither is his ear dull that he cannot hear. But, but what? For well, your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. But if we come to God in loving obedience with penitent hearts, confessing our faith in him and repenting of sin in our lives and being buried in the waters of baptism God will forgive us and God will give us rest and you see the most beautiful part about it all is that the eternal God is preparing a home for me when he called his apostles to him in John chapter 14 he told them he was going to be leaving them he told them he was going to be going away their hearts were heavy they were saddened and he told them don't let your hearts be troubled You believe in God. You believe also in me. In my Father's house or many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and I'll receive you unto myself. But where I am there, you might be also blessed, thought and happy day. That's for all those that are willing to obey His will. All those that are willing to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Master of all of their lives. All those that are willing to live God's kind of life God's way if you need to make changes we're giving you the opportunity to do that as we stand and while we sing this song